Baker Mayfield said he came to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers seeking stability. And as weird as that kind of sounds, he may have actually found it. That and more coming up on today's episode of Locked on Bucks. You are Locked on Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bucks Nation? Welcome to Locked On Bucks Podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are your daily podcast covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Please subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts so you're always getting the latest episodes when they drop. I'm David Harrison, your Tuesday host and staff writer for BucksGameDay.com, part of Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation on Twitter at DHarrison82. Make sure you're also following my co-host James Jarko on Twitter at JRCO underscore Bucks and on SB Nation, where he is the deputy editor of BucksNation.com. Another defensive player is leaving Tampa Bay, but the arrival of Baker Mayfield could be much more significant for the team, and especially for himself as an individual. That's where we're going to start today's episode, because in his introductory press conference on Monday, when he was asked why he chose the Buccaneers, Baker Mayfield said, quote, with an organization like this that has had had success for a while, and in recent years as well, it was important to me to be in a place that's stable and knows how to win, knows how to do it properly. And I can't be the only one that was a little taken back by the comments of Tampa Bay being stable. Now, again, we know, that, you know, obviously the Super Bowl season was great. Uh, the following year was, was very competitive and close to Super Bowl. And I still, like I said, uh, in a previous episode, I contend that without all the injuries that the Buccaneers offense had amassed up to that point, probably looking at back-to-back Super Bowl wins, but is that really the definition of stability and of, of, of a stable organization? So I actually looked up the definition of the word stable and, and the part that I took out of it uh, from the dictionary, not likely to give way or overturn is basically what uh, the word stable means from a definitive standpoint. So typically when you look at stable NFL organizations, they like to build through the NFL draft. You have some, some, some examples of teams uh, that kind of say, you know, screw them picks let's go get free agents and trade for players like the los angeles rams did but now you look at where the los angeles rams are today and really outside of aaron donald and and maybe i guess cooper cup depending on who the quarterback is going to be and how well that play is those are really your only two dominant players on a team that just won a super bowl not that long ago so is this really that stable team and and you gauge that stability by looking at how they've done uh in the nfl draft so jason like current general manager Hired in 2014, since 2014, started with the 2014 NFL draft, the Buccaneers have drafted 64 total players, 23 of those players. So just over 33% of those players are still with the team. 33%, is that a good number? I didn't go through and calculate every single other person's or every other team's or every other GM's draft track record. But if you were to tell me uh, that 33% of your draft picks will be on your team, uh, for for kind of a long extended period of time, I would say that's a pretty good number. I mean, when you look at, first of all, you got to look at day three picks, right? Fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round players. A lot of times those guys are kind of one and done. Seventh round players, sixth round players, especially even fifth round players, are a lot of those guys are kind of one and done. If you were to trim the number to, say, the first three rounds or even the first four rounds, the number obviously uh, gets a little better. But in totality, about 33% of Jason Light's draft picks are still with the team today. I think that's pretty good. Seven of those our second year players so they're they were rookies last year one uh seventh round draft pick uh did not stick with the team so the other uh other other seven did stick with the team so if you take those seven off that that you know changes those numbers obviously 
uh, a little bit. Now, nine of the 41 post-rookie deal players that Jason Light has drafted. So anybody that he's drafted that is still on their rookie contract or not, I don't want to say eligible for an extension because like Devin White is eligible for an extension, but I didn't count Devin White because he's about to play on his fifth-year option. So technically, he hasn't reached the time for his second deal uh, to come through. So nine of the 41 players that Jason Light has drafted that reached kind of their second deal window, nine of them uh, have gotten second deals with the team. That, of course, includes uh, Jamel Dean, who got his second deal uh, this year. Now, Jason Light's 2015 and now, uh, well, 2016 draft class, we've kind of talked about that. It's, it's kind of known as Jason Light's worst, but now his 2015 draft class also has no players drafted still on the roster today. So 2015-2016 NFL drafts, uh, none of those players are with the team anymore. But out of the players that Jason Light has drafted, 14 trips to the Pro Bowl have come out of those draft picks. 95 combined seasons of drafted players being primary starters for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And beyond the NFL draft, he's also traded for guys like Jason Pierre-Paul and Rob Gronkowski, big contributors uh, to success to success for the team without mortgaging the entire future of uh, the organization in the process of doing so, which I think is pretty pretty solid. Also orchestrated the arrival of Bruce Arians, who was not just Tampa or nothing. Bruce Arians did have the Cleveland Browns to choose from, also had the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to choose from, ended up going with uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And if you remember, after the 2020 season, was the first GM to successfully return all of his Super Bowl starters from the previous year in the free agency era, uh, something that had never been seen before. So there's something to this, this Baker Mayfield saying that he came to the Buccaneers looking for a team that knows how to win, wants to win, uh, and has some stability because there has been some stable, you know, some stable list of players coming in, some good amount of Pro Bowls, good amount of, you know, combined seasons of, of drafted players uh, being starters. So I think there, there is some, uh, there is some, some, some validity to, to what Baker Mayfield uh, said there, because even when this team has struggled, we've always said, you know, we've been here through the struggles, the 30 for 30 season, uh, all that, right? What have we always said? We've always said that this team's roster was more talented than their record when they weren't doing well. And look, that's the primary duty of a general manager is to build the roster. Now, coach searches and hires and all that stuff. I mean, Jason hasn't always been in charge of that kind of stuff. He hasn't always had kind of his pick. Bruce Arians really was the first pick. So the roster stability. There, there's some validity there, and there's some some value to what Jason Light has been able to do with this roster. Now, does the team know how to win? I think that's the other part that kind of take kind of hits your ear a little bit different if you've been focusing on the Buccaneers uh, for all these years. But when you look at the numbers, uh, the Buccaneers have seven or more wins in the past four seasons. You know, seven wins is not a winning record, so you obviously want that winning record. But seven is a solid amount of wins when you're talking about a league that is designed for everybody to go 500. You're kind of hitting that mark. You're at least kind of there where the league is designed to put you if not better than where the league is designed to put you. And oh, by the way, the Buccaneers are the only NFC team since Jason Light was brought in as a general manager to be a Super Bowl winning team in that window, but also enter 2023 winning seven or more games in each of the past four years. No other NFC team since Jason Light was hired to be the Bucs GM has won a Super Bowl and is entering this season having won seven or more games four years running. So how significant is that to you? To me, that's that's fairly significant. It kind of shows that even when the Buccaneers are having a down season, which they obviously just came out of a down season, nobody's trying to sugarcoat that. They're still, as a franchise, on a better path and a better consistency path uh, than a lot of other teams, especially in the in the NFC. Which, granted, the NFC is not as strong as as, as has been in the past uh, these days. So, 
Despite the struggles, despite missing on a number one overall quarterback, multiple coaching changes, Light has always made sure that the Bucs had a roster that could compete, even if the coaches didn't always get the best out of it. And that's basically uh, what's going to be the key to this Baker Mayfield experience panning out correctly. He's the coaching staff getting the best out of him. We'll see if they give way, because while I don't know if you can call any NFL roster stable, there's a lot of turnover. There's been some turnover this offseason alone. Giving way, I think, is really kind of the key. So if they continue to be one of those NFC teams, winning seven or more games, being playoff contenders, continuing to be a talented roster that just needs the coaching staff to kind of tap into that talent and get the best out of them, then I think we can say that they're not a team that's giving way and that would fit the definition of uh, being stable. So Baker Mayfield talked a lot about his why he came here, but he also talked a lot about his career so far. Some of the things that he said were interesting, especially when you apply them to comments that I've personally made on this uh, on this show in recent episodes. Uh, so that's going to come up next on today's episode of Locked On Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In today's episode of Locked On Bucks is brought to you by FanDuel. The NCAA tournament is heating up and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because new customers, you get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. And then you can bet on everything from the money line to points scored to threes drained, pretty much whatever you want. Sweet 16 teams are taking the floor on Thursday and Friday this week for a spot in the Elite Eight of the NCAA Men's Tournament. And right now, Creighton is the most likely to win their matchup in the Sweet 16 as they're nine-and-a-half-point favorites to defeat Princeton. Meanwhile, seventh-seeded Michigan State are actually favored to defeat the third-seeded Kansas State Wildcats by just one and a half points. That is the closest spread mark, point spread margin uh, of all the games at the time of this recording. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Thanks again for making the Locked On Bucks podcast first listener, first view of the day. Continuing our conversation about Baker Mayfield's uh, introductory press conference, kind of just went over why he chose to come to Tampa in the first place and whether or not those statements of why he chose to come to Tampa were validated. Again, I feel like they're validated, but it's really kind of a lens, you know, eye of the beholder type of situation. Some people are going to hear 33%, slightly over 33% Jason Light. NFL draft picks still being on the roster today and say that's extremely low. You want to hit on at least half of them. I think every NFL team would love to hit on at least half of their draft picks. I don't know how realistic uh, that really is in today's modern NFL, especially with practice squads and stealing players and, and doing all of these things. But moving forward, uh, Baker Mayfield obviously has had a very storied career, right? Storied from the sense that a lot of stories have been written about his NFL career so far. A lot of controversy, some public controversy, unfortunately. Uh, he was asked about that and something uh, that Baker Mayfield said about his career. Quote, I've got to see different. I've gotten to see different things from my journey. That is not exactly how I drew it up. I've, it's helped along the way, especially making a decision like this. I want to go somewhere where we can win right away. And this is that place. End quote. So talking about Baker Mayfield's journey in order to talk about where we got to, we have to take a look at where we kind of came from. So I went back and I looked at Baker Mayfield's NFL.com draft profile uh, and just kind of looked at some things and kind of take myself back to when Baker Mayfield was coming out of uh, Oklahoma into the National Football League, a Heisman Trophy winner, Maxwell Award and Davey O'Brien Award winner, 70.5% uh, completion percentage, 
uh, during his career in Oklahoma, 43 touchdown passes to just six interceptions. Incredible, incredible career. Incredible, uh, very, very impressive uh, career there at Oklahoma. Lance Zerline, the NFL.com scout draft analyst who writes most, if not all, of the the draft profiles, wrote about Mayfield back in 2018. Quote, spread quarterbacks have had limited success, as have small quarterbacks. Mayfield falls into both categories and has to prove he can transcend those perceived deficiencies on the next level. He'll be somewhat scheme-dependent, so whoever takes him will need to be willing to build their offense around his strengths, end quote. It looked like Cleveland was going to build around those strengths for a little while. Baker Mayfield in his third season takes the Cleveland Browns to the playoffs, gets them a postseason win for the first time since before Baker Mayfield was even born. Like, I think that's fairly significant, right? Baker Mayfield, the last time Cleveland Browns win a playoff game is before Baker Mayfield is even alive. And then they end up drafting him all those years later, three years into his career. He not only takes them to the postseason, but gets that win. Unfortunately, pretty much from that point on, it was a very steep, steep decline for Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns that ended in the 2021 season. Baker is playing through a hip injury, uh, which is huge for quarterbacks. We all kind of laugh at that video uh, that went viral of Dak Prescott kind of doing his hip, hip, uh, hip twerks or hip, you know, stretches, whatever you want to call them, uh, before a game. But the hips are very important for an NFL quarterback. So for Baker Mayfield to be playing with a hip injury is very significant. Ultimately, he ends up getting traded in a very public, very ugly separation uh, from the Cleveland Browns where somebody, so I think it was Adam Schefter of ESPN, that they would rather have a grown-up in the room at the position. Just a lot of public disrespect. Baker Mayfield publicly uh, kind of demanding a trade from the team. Just a, a very ugly mess on both sides of the house. Uh, kind of fed into Baker's reputation, right? Came out of college. There were some incidents where he showed lack of maturity. And then coming into the NFL, there were some, uh, I don't want to say incidents, but there were some moments where people kind of perceived him as being immature. And then, of course, you have the, the comments from the Browns organization as they trade him, coming out saying that they'd want, they want an adult in the room. So kind of fed into his reputation of being immature, a less than stellar worker, a little rougher on the edges uh, personality-wise, and certainly not what Baker envisioned when he was the number one overall pick coming out of Oklahoma as a Heisman Trophy winner. Baker commented on that same quote, It's not how I drew my career up by any means. If I were to tell you how it would go based on the plan, I wouldn't have said that I put on three different uniforms in the year 2022, but that's how it happens. You've got to learn from it, roll the punches, trust in God's plan. I've grown a lot. And and that's kind of where uh, we wanted to go because he also followed up later saying, quote, you can't relate one situation the exact same to another. It's kind of a tricky question. You've got to look at the circumstances for everyone. We're playing this game, so there's not a whole lot of excuse that we're going to make. You have to roll with the punches. That's just the nature of how this game works. And on what he would say to people who are concerned about whether or not he wins a starting job, some people are calling this a break-or-make moment for Baker Mayfield. I called it a break-or-make move uh, on my article that I wrote uh, on Tuesday morning for BucksGameDay.com. And Baker said, quote, just take a look at last year. I don't really have much to say other than that. Everybody wants to talk about years ago how I used to be if you haven't realized that I've changed a lot, then that's all right, end quote. Now, obviously, Baker Mayfield's not sitting there at the podium saying, David Harrison locked on Bucks. I'm talking to you or a BucksMDay.com. I'm talking to you. But look, let's go back to the first segment of, of today's episode. We talked about Arians coming back into coaching, choosing between the Cleveland Browns and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It was basically Baker Mayfield or Jameis Winston. Who does he want to play or who, who did he want to coach? He ends up coming to Tampa. All credit to Jason Light for getting him to sway that way. Coaching Jameis Winston, it doesn't work out. They end up with Tom Brady and they get a Super Bowl. So, you know, all's well that ends well, right? 
But make no mistake about it, Arians wanted, you know, was, was very interested in coaching uh, Bruce or uh, Bruce uh, Baker Mayfield as well. And I think that's important, right? I myself have been very vocal on this show about whether or not I wanted Baker to come to this team. And I've said that I didn't. So I think that comment of, you know, if you haven't realized that I've changed a lot, then that's all right. I mean, reality, it's if you haven't realized that I've changed a lot, you're not paying attention. So is it possible that he has changed? And so we're going to get into kind of the fit. We're going to get into kind of whether or not people can really kind of grow from these situations. So first and foremost, how much does Bruce's mentality transfer to Dave Canales? Because while Bruce Arians was interested in coaching Baker Mayfield when he came out of retirement, that's great. But Bruce Arians is not on the sideline anymore. Now, he certainly has influence. We're seeing that, right? We're seeing the marks of Bruce Arians' influence here with the team still um, not completely making every decision, but certainly having influence, I think. Dave Canales is a different kind of guy. Bruce Arians may or may not have vouched for him, may or may not have supported the hire. I don't know. We know he wasn't happy with Byron Leftwich being fired, but once you get past that, who do we want to bring in? Who's the right guy? I would say that they're very, very similar uh, in what they can produce. Now, you look at Dave Canales, and last year, Geno Smith had the 12th highest completed air yards per pass attempt. Tom Brady was significantly lower than Geno Smith was. Geno Smith last year averaged seven and a half yards per pass attempt. Last year, Tom Brady averaged 6.4 yards per pass attempt. Now, Brady in 2021 averaged 7.4. So 0.1 yards less than Geno Smith last year. And in 2020, the Super Bowl year averaged 7.6, which is 0.1 yards more than Geno Smith. Much more similar. Those are the two years that Bruce Arians was on the sideline. So I think that, yeah, I think we can expect Dave Canales to have an offense that's a little bit more Bruce Arians-centric. And if Bruce Arians thought that scheme would work for him, coaching Baker Mayfield, no reason to think that it couldn't. Not saying it will, but it couldn't work for Dave Canales also coaching uh, Baker Mayfield. So. I think looking at today, and that's kind of the point from Baker that I took to heart because I think it is unfair to compare one situation to another just because it didn't work out in Cleveland. Like Lance Zerline said in his draft profile, you have to look at what the team is trying to do and whether or not that fits Baker Mayfield's uh, skill set. Baker talked about Dave Canales saying that what really impressed Dave or Baker about Dave is that he wants to accentuate his players' attributes, and that's exactly what he's kind of looking for. So I said Baker shouldn't be the guy. But I think I have to take Baker's comments to heart and say, what could he have possibly have done through all these changes? I mean, playing for three teams in one calendar NFL season is crazy. I don't know that we've ever seen a quarterback go through that many changes, especially a quarterback that was a former number one overall pick and is still relatively young. So give Baker Mayfield the benefit of the doubt. Again, I kind of stated already that that chip on his shoulder is less Baker against the world, more Baker trying to prove that this collapse is not the end of his story. And I think that if that's the Baker we're getting, there's a chance to make this work. You couple that with a scheme that certainly looks to fit his skill set more. The fact that Bruce Arians wanted to coach him before still has influence in his organization. There's a lot of reasons to like the potential match of Baker Mayfield uh, here with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So Baker Mayfield coming in. Those are some comments that stood out for me from his introductory press conference. Uh, and kind of where that took my mind as we evaluated those. However, another Buccaneers defender is heading elsewhere. We'll update that along with the Buccaneers free agent picture coming up next on today's episode of Locked on Bucks. And today's episode of Locked on Bucks is brought to you by Built Bar. The Built March Madness bracket is here. We know you have your favorite Built Bar or your favorite Built Puff. Now it's your time to make it count by going to BuiltMarchMadness.com to vote for your favorite. Support your team, support your favorite bar or your favorite puff. And when you do, you will be entered into a drawing where 50 locked on listeners 
are going to get a free box of built products. Not only that, but one locked on listener is going to get a 12 month subscription to built to have built best bars and best puffs delivered straight to your door every single month. You got to try built bar, the best protein bars on the market. So delicious. You're not going to realize they're healthy for you. They're going to taste like a candy bar while bringing you loads of protein, but they're low in sugar while being covered in 100% chocolate. And you can vote every single day at BuiltMarchMadness.com. So go do so. Hop in, support your pick at Built.com. Built different. Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense has lost its third member to free agency at the time of this recording. Again, news continuing to funnel out across the National Football League as we go through beginning of this new league year. Uh, but this one, a little bit more expected. Sean Murphy bunting the cornerback headed to the Tennessee Titans on a one-year deal worth up to $5 million. I don't think the deal is officially official just yet, uh, but Sean Murphy bunting, tweeting Cashville, uh, certainly confirming that he is indeed heading to Nashville. Uh, Coach Lori Locus on her social media also sending out some exclamato- exclamatory uh, posts on her social media accounts Uh Lori Locus, former assistant defensive line coach of the Buccaneers, now coaching with the Tennessee Titans. So excited to see Sean Murphy Bunsing headed to Tennessee. Uh, he will be the projected starting cornerback for the Tennessee Titans defense, opposite second-year cornerback Roger McCreary out of Auburn. So going from one Auburn cornerback, Jamel Dean, to another Auburn cornerback and Roger McCreary, uh, depending, of course, on what the Titans do in the NFL draft, that could potentially change. But for now, SMB will be, project- be projected to be a starter there for Tennessee. Doesn't seem likely. Uh, that SME was going to be coming back after the Jamel Dean deal. The conversation going into the offseason was kind of, do the Bucks bring back Jamel? Do they bring back Sean Murphy Bunting? At the end of the season, especially in the playoffs, it kind of seemed like Sean Murphy Bunting was kind of gaining a little bit of favor there towards the end of the season. I rallied for Jamel Dean to come back. I think most people rallied for Jamel Dean to come back, but thought that maybe that was a sign uh, that Sean Murphy Bunting would actually be the one coming back. Jamel Dean obviously gets his deal done. SMB heads to Tennessee. Uh, so that's the second key defensive back to leave Todd Bowles' defense this free agent period. Mike Edwards previously headed to the Kansas City Chiefs on another one-year deal, so a bunch of one-year deals going around for these young DBs. Um, and the third defender to leave the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense via signing as of right now. Defensive tackle Rakeem Nunez-Rochez left earlier this offseason for the New York Giants. So updating the list of available Buccaneers free agents, right? We know Anthony Nelson's coming back. Uh, we know, obviously, Jamel Dean is coming back. Levante is coming back. But there are still a lot of Buccaneers still available. Levante or Levante uh, left tackle Donovan Smith still out there on the open market as his defensive end. Akeem Hicks running back Leonard Fournette tight end Cam Brates also available. Julio Jones still out there. William Golston, Blaine Gabbert, Kyle Rudolph, right tackle Josh Wells, running back Giovanni Bernard, strong safety Keanu Neal, wide receiver Bashad Perryman, Carl Nassib, Logan Ryan, Jernard Avery, Jernard Avery. Dedrick Sinai and wide receiver Scotty Miller, all still available. Tons of Buccaneers free agents, guys, uh, still available. But look, the longer they get into wave two and then even wave three, you know, leading up to the NFL draft, and then if they're still available after the NFL draft, I think it's a little bit more likely you see some of these guys maybe come back on one year, you know, maybe non-guaranteed or very little guaranteed uh, type of money. If I had to go through this list uh, right here and say the three that I think are most likely to probably return to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I think you got to go defensive end William Golston. Uh, again, depending on what the market is looking like for him, not seeing a lot of rumors out there, but you know, uh, the SMB to Tennessee thing happened very, very quick. So you could see anything uh, at any moment, but William Golson has been a very stable contributor to the Buccaneers defense. I don't imagine the Bucs would hate to see him come back 
would just have to be under the right money. And again, the longer he sits, you know, the decision starts to become, do you want to play for what you can get? Or do you want to continue to hold out uh, and try to, to get more money elsewhere? Right tackle Josh Wells, just because, you know, offensive line, you never have enough offensive line depth. And with, with uh, Donovan out, a guy who knows the group, knows the roster, has been around. Obviously, the offense is different. Um, so there might be some different things there. And I don't know if he's going to be athletic enough to fit in a Dave Canales offense. That's that's Coach Canales' uh, decision to make, not mine. But Josh Wells has been a steady uh, pro a presence around the team for a while now. So uh, his name, I think, obviously kind of stands out. And then wide receiver Scotty Miller. I know his contributions have kind of dwindled, his, uh, his, his importance to the offense. I think we all kind of expected, especially after that NFC Championship game performance and the handful of just deep bomb touchdowns, uh, that he was able to bring in from Tom Brady, that Scotty's role would kind of increase. And I know there was some frustration about it not increasing over recent years. Um, but Scotty Miller's still, I mean, a super, super fast dude. He's got pretty solid hands. You know, I think a little bit, a little bit of struggle with that this last season more than usual, but still a pretty solid guy. Um, wouldn't be surprised to see him come back again, that wide receiver uh, group in Tampa outside of Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Russell Gage, looking a little bit thin. So wouldn't be surprised to see a guy like Scotty Miller who has a kind of a unique skill set with that type of speed. Uh, come back later on here in the free agency period. But we'll keep an eye on those guys. We'll keep an eye on everything the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are doing. And we will be back with another episode. James will be joined by Evan Klosky. WTSP Wednesday coming up. In the meantime, we thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first view or listen of the day today. Now make your second the Locked On NFL Scouting with the Draft Dudes podcast from free agency to the draft, salary cap management, and more. NFL experts Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino take you through what it's like to build an NFL franchise. Find Locked On NFL Scouting with the Draft Dudes wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Again, James will be back WTSP Wednesday coming up your next episode here on the Locked On Bucks feed. Make sure you're subscribing, following whatever it is on your favorite podcast platform choice or here on YouTube. If you got questions or topics about this or any other discussion, send them in via email to LockedOnBucksPodcast at gmail.com or in the DMs at uh, Locked on Bucks on Twitter. For James Yarko, the deputy editor of BucksNation.com, part of SB Nation on Twitter at JRK underscore Bucks. I'm David Harrison, staff writer for BucksGameDay.com, part of Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation on Twitter at DHarrison82. If you're on about, please be safe, be kind to one another, fire the cannons. And I thank you, as always, for joining me right here for today's episode of Locked on Bucks, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.